0: Oh, hey, Kate.
1: Hey, Ryan. Hey, Ryan. This is more than a crush. Whoa. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's all I've got. That's all you've got?
0: That's
1: all you've got? You don't so, have more? You don't have more? Do you think everybody should um, switch to becoming a part-time yoga teacher and stop teaching full-time? Like Everyone, just as a rule. Um
0: I don't know that I could say everybody has a rule, but I certainly think that um I I don't see yoga teachers ever getting compensated to the point like with the exception of like a very very few like a very few people who are in the right place at the right time and sort of rode the wave Um, I I don't see anybody being able to be compensated enough to be just a yoga teacher meaning that you're not doing you know admin at a studio or you're not having just a completely separate job outside of yoga or you you know that there isn't some other sort of point of revenue Um, I I just don't see that that being possible Um, on the other hand uh like the sometimes the the sort of uh what are the words i'm what are the words that I'm looking for the like hmm, the skills and the values sometimes of those other jobs sometimes come into conflict with the yoga both in a like time sense but also in a like ethical sense
1: mm. um mm-hmm.
0: and uh that can be that can be challenging um uh, which is not to say, which is not to say that that would only happen if someone was a yoga teacher and had a part-time job just doing like something completely out of the realm of yoga. I would actually say it's more likely to come into conflict if someone is like really practicing, really studying, and like works for a company that is yoga adjacent. Like, I I bet those two things would come into conflict more quickly. Like, if you worked for Lululemon, and you were really, like, I feel like at some point you'd be like, huh, what, hmm, <laughs> like, there would just be, there would just need to be pause, and anybody out there who works for Lululemon, it, uh, that comes to mind because I just know many people who have had that quandary, specifically. So if you don't have that quandary, that's perfectly fine. Maybe maybe things have changed there. But, um, you know, I, I use that as the sort of monolith for all yoga adjacent company uh, uh, companies out there.
1: Oh, that's a tough one. We haven't talked about that in a while. I feel
0: like that was the first episode. <laughs> I feel like that was, that was exactly 112 episodes ago that we talked about that.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm deciding if anything has shifted in my in my heart space <laughs> around... If everybody could just no, drop, no, it drop really into happened. their
0: heart space real quick and just... Oh.
1: <laughs> it Just, heart space is currently phlegmy, but...
0: <laughs> sure, it's very phlegmy.
1: You know, I think as I, since we've last touched on that, I think I have more feelings... Oh, I had so many feelings then about aligning yourself, how we align ourselves with brands, or, you know, even professionally the work we're doing, being in concert with, you know, teaching yoga, at least ethically. And uh, I think that now I get just as cranky when I see when I see yoga teachers that I respect aligning themselves with brands that, you know, are highly, highly questionable, mm-hmm. in, you know, mostly because of their profit motives, like, and, you know, and just some of the things that they've done to their community. Yeah. Just the body shame alone. I It makes me mad that, you know, colleagues of mine still think that it's like awesome and good to champion with that. And they, I, it's sometimes like under the auspices of, oh yeah, but, but it's community building. And it's like, well, what community is being built? You know, what is that? It's a community of purchasers, you know, it's like, I just think about all the events that are promoted, you know, with, um, I don't know, an ambassador. And
0: well, do you know that, um, I was listening to a podcast the other day, um, uh regarding the whole uh Nike ad that came out um with Colin Kaepernick and people burning the the burning their shoes or whatever cuz they were i don't know it was silly but one of the things that they said is that uh uh Nike actually like has this term um Henry like they're after Henry which stands for high earners, not rich yet. What? Yes. So, I feel like the type of community that's being built through these brands are Henry's. That's, that's the community you're trying to b- bring together. People who can afford to spend $100 on pants.
1: which would be like youthful lower middle class often white thin people that are on their way to being middle and upper middle class
0: yeah with like first you know couple of jobs at you know, following that sort of, um, college to, uh, college to consulting firm pipeline and getting hooked into that cycle. Um, yeah. (sighs) I, until they become yoga teachers, (laughs) that's someone should do a sociological research paper on, uh, undergrad degree to a consulting firm slash financial financial firm to yoga teaching. Someone should see if there is in fact some sort of like pipeline going
1: on. Oh, <laughs> nothing would, nothing would shock me less. <laughs> I don't know. I, I've been having a really reactive couple of weeks about, this is, you know, about social media and, uh, about social media and community and friendship and competition. And, um, you know, it's nothing, it's nothing super new. It's certainly nothing that we haven't, Talked about or at least grazed upon over the years, but you know the thing that changes is is us, as you and I age. (laughs) We're not aging. We're we're, oh yeah, as we as we get seasoned, you know, it's (laughs) watching my response stay the same in some ways and evolve in others. Like I, I think that I take I take it less personally. Than I used to, like, I think a lot of the fire I had was like, I was like, well, how can you be my friend and make those choices, you know, to the people? And and now I'm just like, ah, you know, everybody's just got to, we just, everybody's just got to put their head down and make a living and we're all trying to do our best and that's all we can do. And, um, and I wonder, it makes me wonder what I'm doing you know, that is probably causing somebody else out there to have the same. The same. Visceral. <laughs> response, <laughs> visceral response, you know. And uh, I. It does make me. Um, I, I it, Watching, you know, I'm officially in a place now where I'm watching like a, a new wave of. I'd say, you know, you're the generation. This is so Boston's and we're going to lose somebody in sk but (laughs) so your generation educated my generation this is super sloppy and not super accurate i know that there's a lot of blur um and now some of the people in my generation quote unquote or graduating class are starting to become yoga teacher trainers as well so i'm seeing the first second wave of that round now and um I'm just sort of reflecting on like what what if anything is changing in the demographic of people that are involved in yoga teacher trainings and I'll be specific to Boston because everything else would be conjecture. Sure. Um and I really do think that I'm noticing a greater diversity in people Uh, in teacher trainings, in large part due to the fact that there's been a social movement around inclusivity, and also in the fact that I think more and more people are like, well, I can do it even if I don't want to teach, because studios are marketing it as not um, a professional training, but instead like a way to deepen their relationship with the practice. Mm -hmm. So the results of which is a wider variety of people from different places in their life to um to join the conversation. Uh do you think I'm wrong? Do you think things are changing?
0: Um I, I mean if they're changing I don't think it's very much I mean, I haven't been in a like large teacher training situation in a really long time, so um, I, I I don't know, but I I I have heard from folks that, um, you know, still, still pretty fucking white, uh, <laughs> um, and uh, not necessarily very diverse in terms of um I mean I guess it's like as so like where where are we setting the bar like are we setting the bar in 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 relationship to like just all white skinny uh female folks as it as it is typically described or we and the fact that we might have uh a few folks who differ in gender or who differ in body type or who differ in age, like, are we considering that a a, a victory or are we just, like, uh, I mean, I, ju- I guess I just don't know where the bar is.
1: Mm, I guess I don't either. I think what I'm reflecting on is Observing that we are about to have more and more yoga teachers that aren't just that aren't just twenty uh, something white thin women yeah um, which is great it is great and i wonder I wonder how hiring will shift with these New folks on the market. I don't
0: think I don't think hiring will shift all that much until there is an understanding that um, to see someone on the schedule who, um, especially if you're someone who who actually really does love practicing yoga. Um, And then all of a sudden you see someone on the schedule who uh, shares some aspect of your identity. You know, it's not guaranteed that you're going to love that person's class, but you're like probably at least going to go try that person's class and and give it a give it a whirl and at least have some positive, uh, probably have some sort of positive rapport with that with that person, uh, even if it's not as a as a yoga teacher Um, certainly, uh, when I was on retreat and saw other queer folks on the retreat, there was a moment of like, oh my God, (laughs) we're not the only person here. (laughs) There's more than one of us. (laughs) This is fucking amazing. (laughs) Like there was that moment. Um, uh, uh, so, so there is something to be said, but until people, uh especially in the sort of big box gym um uh and and now big box yoga studios uh until they recognize that that is valuable from a monetary standpoint because that's the only reason changes ever get made in those in those companies um uh they won't necessarily uh change their hiring practices um I think there's also a significant, like, I'm not sure people who are making hiring decisions really have much understanding of yoga themselves in a lot of these bigger, like, not every fitness director at a gym is going to know something about yoga. So it would make sense that they'd just pick the person who looks like they have the most kind of impressive uh, practice, or someone whom they've heard is a really popular teacher, right? Because that's their job—is to make sure that they hire teachers who put butts in the room. Um, So uh, if if the motive is simply profit um i don't think i don't think those decisions will change very much if the motive actually was building community um then i think you would see them start to change um but then there can also be this weird like tokenism thing that starts to happen where like you know you you just where places either knowingly or unknowingly, um, uh, or subconsciously, sort of like push the person with a marginalized identity to the to the forefront to be like, look at us, <laughs> we've got folks. <laughs> um, so that that's oh, interesting too.
1: But like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh. But, like, I mean, what is the scenario where it's not that?
0: Well, exactly. I'm not saying that that's necessarily a wrong...
1: No, like, I think that's okay. I, I,
0: but, but, you, but you have to, like... The only way to, to mitigate that is to just be aware that that might put that person in the position of being the black yoga teacher or the trans yoga teacher or the, you know what I mean? Like, it, it might put them in an awkward position.
1: Um, yeah, initially. And it, it, what's important to notice is, does it end there? Is it yeah. like, look, we've got, you know, one person that is this, you know, is is there people assisting that also look like them? Are there people... um that also front, teach their look
0: Like like yeah, it has to look
1: It has to be more than one person.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's gotta be more than one person. But there's there's definitely you know, it, there, there's Yeah. Um but it's I don't know. It it also it also takes a lot of um it takes a lot of continuous effort to to like continuously have that conversation so that so that there can always be sort of a check in of like okay yes we want the studio to be full yes we want the quality of teaching to be really high and yes we want the um the you know to be able to pay the rent and yes we also want a diverse group of uh folks to feel welcome not necessarily a diverse group of folks to like have to fill the studio but like to feel welcome um and those things always are in sort of uh negotiation with each other um and uh um and sometimes can get one aspect of that can get lost very quickly. Um, uh, So there you have it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm just reflecting on many different places I've been employed and featured as a Larger, and I've never ever felt like I, um, at any of them, any of the places. One exception, oh, one shitty exception. I once got asked to film for Yoga Works, um, for the My Yoga Works online. Oh, yeah and uh, specifically to film a series on practicing in a larger body. And I was so excited, and had like so many conversations about it. And I'm in Boston, and filming is in California, and when it got time to talk about compensation, it was like, we can't pay to get you out here, we can't pay for you to stay here, we can pay you $50 an hour for you to film. And that's it. And, and, you know, I don't don't get someone in trouble for that. I think there wasn't much money at the time for that. That was sort of the excuse. But I just remember thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Someone's
0: paying you $50 an hour for use of your material and image in perpetuity. In perpetuity,
1: yeah. Uh, And I was so disappointed because, um, you know, they're for profit. And I know that they're able to, like buy studios that are hemorrhaging yeah you know and they're just acquiring if, and expanding and it's like and and you're gonna ask me yeah. like this little friggin'
0: when teacher. probably if they were really smart they might like buy one less studio and like throw that into r&d for their online stuff probably, yeah yeah it, like you know what i mean like it, who am I to say <laughs>
1: <laughs> So yeah, that was a bummer and yeah. and it ended with like, well, we have people in California that would be very grateful for the exposure and that are in oh, larger we have other we have a couple other fatties out here in California <laughs> that would jump at this opportunity, and I'm like, all right,
0: all right, that exposure line is such bullshit, it's such it's bullshit, so
1: it's so offensive, I don't. Get it, and if you're a newer yoga teacher and that exposure thing is getting sold to you, really really give it a pause yeah yeah as, not, as it is it. not it's not yeah. fair yeah are there times when it is fair? I think there are i I, I want to be balanced about this because my my gut is to be like no it's just garbage, but like I, I think that there are times that if you can measure the ROI. If you have a way and you see a clear line to it, like you see a real clear line, then go for it. But it is not the going currency. No,
0: no. Money is the going
1: currency. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Um, That's my, that's my call to action to anybody that might be listening. Um,
0: yeah, you know, I don't actually know... I mean, now, if compensation is in the form of... Like, if you're a new, new teacher and some festival is willing to make it sort of revenue-neutral for you to teach there, meaning, like, they're covering all of the expenses to get there, but they're not actually going to compensate you for teaching, like, I don't know, you might you might weigh that. Um but there that is still some level of compensation it's just you're you're netting out um and if you really felt like it was going to be helpful to uh, a helpful experience or or uh or a new experience that you want then then yeah that the that sort of exposure might be might be worthwhile but most stuff i'm i'm very like mm, i don't know about that um so that's my two cents
1: there yeah yeah i agree with you um i'm going over our Our friendships so friendships i wanted to talk to you about this
0: are you breaking up with me as a friend
1: (laughs) oh i I think it's time (laughs) to have a talk. No, no. If anything, I'm creepily squeezing you tighter. Um okay. it's hard to make friends as an adult. Yes. It's it's so hard. I especially if you're like already like awkward. Everybody's awkward and shy. We're all fucking yeah. awkward and shy. But uh, I was at the playground with Nick the other day and this awesome uh lady came up to us we have kids the same age and we were just talking and she I don't know we were just both looked like ragamuffins and so did our kids and she was super smart and funny and she's like this is the first conversation where I haven't felt mom judged and I was like <laughs> yeah that's a thing it's a very real thing you know um could like, you just des-
0: could you describe mom judged for our listeners
1: it's when you're out in public and somebody comments on something about your child or you or products surrounding you or your child. Sure. <laughs> that is like an underhanded dig at, at your parenting or your money or your choices or any of it. And um, here's an example. And this one doesn't quite count. But I was um, – Frankie's. Uh, – I'm a big proponent of being barefoot. A because it's hard to get her in shoes and have her not just rip them off. A, sure, uh, B. Sure. I I kind of was part of the barefoot running scene for a while, and by scene I mean I tried it and <laughs> enjoyed it. And when I worked at the bookstore, I used to wear the five the Vibram five fingers, and like I I just think our feet are are don't need to be in Bastille's as much as we tend to put them there. And I think that for walking and ankle strengthening for yes. Frankie, I feel pretty good about her just, you know, being barefoot. Now, if there's shards of glass,
0: <laughs> you
1: know, I, I cover her feet or I remove her from the shards of glass. But there was a, a grandmother there, and this is a generational thing. Sure, There was also a language barrier because she just, we were, we were communicating about how old the babies were. And then at one point, once we figured out how old the respective babies were, she pointed at her grandchild's feet and then, which had shoes and then pointed at Frankie's and sort of was like raised her voice and tone at me. And I was like, Oh no. I was like, yeah, uh, there's no way to pantomime my philosophy on (laughs) shoes. (laughs) You know, but try that it, in charades next time. <laughs> I, I know. I was like, I don't. Oh, okay, okay. Twenty-seven um, words <laughs> sounds like. Um, but also, all these parents, you know, they just walk up and they're like, "How old? What are the benchmarks your kids are hitting?" And like, this will be drawn out over a longer conversation than that. It's not that abrupt, but that's yeah. basically the heart of it. And everybody's just trying to make sure that they're normal. Yeah. And it's like, nobody's normal. We're all developing either too fast or too slow in various areas. And like, you know, people sizing up each other's like equipment and toys and safety precautions. And it's just constant. And like, are you in daycare? Are you doing this? Are you socializing? Like everything has got undertones of, you know, it's just the volume is turned up on the social judgment when... Um, so I don't know why we're talking about this, uh, social judgment thing. Oh, friendship. Yeah. So I think it makes it even more complicated to make friends because sure. I have a really low bullshit quotient. And if I get even a whiff of that from somebody new, um, you know, no. Um, so it was really nice cause, uh, this woman and I exchanged numbers and we're going to try to be adult friends. And, um, this has happened a couple times with people that I'm like, okay, I jive with you. We, you know, had yeah. we been in a bar ten years ago, we probably, or had we gone to college together, we would have been friends. Um, whatever that means, but you know, we lose, we don't have the structures in place as adults to yeah. socially meet people unless we're part of some religion. Yeah, that's how people are making friends. Yeah. Um, Or, you know, you're doing November Project, which is religion. Yes. Um, Or, you know, the community at Lululemon, which is religion. (laughs) All of it. All of this organized God worship. Um, So friendship is hard. And all the while, we're all changing and then questioning our oldest friendship sometimes because maybe you've changed enough that this friendship has run its course. Yeah. And that's okay. That's okay. It's okay to lovingly, mindfully divorce friends, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know how to do any of it, but... <laughs> How do you make new friends? Do you make new friends?
0: Um I mean uh, occasionally I I mean my my roommate is is a rather social human so if I go and hang out with him he's bound to know like a large number of folks if we go to any Uh, gay space (laughs) Um, oh that's so helpful uh, but that doesn't mean that it necessarily like spark friendships with those folks I feel like a lot of the way that um, uh, that queer people make friends nowadays is like through the various apps um, Mm. which I've actually been off of for almost a month for my own mental health. Because um, uh, just the number of like shitty conversations that I would have on on there or um, like obnoxious questions that, that would get lobbed um, my way. Uh, I was just like, you know what? There are plenty of things in my life giving me intense anxiety right now. I don't, <laughs> this is one I can literally just, turn off. Like, I can just delete the goddamn things. Um, uh, But it is interesting because now um, um, now that I don't have them on, it is a little bit like, okay, well, I could go out to a bar, though one of Boston's, like, handful of gay bars is closing on Saturday. Um, um, I could... Uh, Which one? uh, Paradise.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: Yeah. The lease to that building is owned by MIT. So, uh, or rather I should say the building is owned by MIT. Um, So the fact that they've been able to stay there that long is pretty remarkable. Um, But it does mean like, there's just not that many anymore. Um, uh, But Yeah, but like, I don't, I don't know how, like, I'm so, I'm so deeply like, like, it it takes me like a hot second to like, let, like open up enough to let somebody like, to want to interact with somebody on a regular basis to which I would refer to them as a friend. I also might have a really high bar for who I would label that.
1: Mm.
0: like I'm v- friendly mm-hmm. with many acquaintances but like I wouldn't necessarily yes. call them friends
1: no and here's the definition of this is a good point like people you hang out with and like there's different tierings like yeah. there's hey I'm going to call you in the middle of the night will you open up your door if <laughs> you know at 2am if I'm in trouble
0: like, yes exactly
1: is uh, different than hey, I, this is somebody that I would hang out with. Yeah, you know, and go get a coffee and have a conversation, or yeah. go do something. Um, I don't know. So let's put a pin in that. Uh, I'd love to hear from our listeners about adult adult friending. Adult and, friending uh, isn't I'm that spec- some sort of
0: like website that got shut down or something like that with the news sex trafficking laws oh
1: that sounds about right
0: (laughs) making friends as adults let's say
1: um i would you know i'm i i want to hear your extreme views on it especially uh extroverts and introverts alike and the people in between yes uh I want to make sure we spend some time talking about Core Power, which is now opening up a studio directly in front of YogaWorks Back Bay. And that's public. Can you I, tell me which, like, what space 366? it actually is? is it, it has to be. Uh, if you Google it, let me Google it. So I Googled it to confirm, and it's already listed in Google Maps.
0: Oh, wow. Is it, is it above the coffee shop?
1: That's what I'm wondering. So do they smell blood in the water? Is that what's going on? Is that what no, they do? I do think, they sniff around? and I just
0: think, I mean, maybe, but I doubt it. I just think that they probably saw that space and was like, that's a great location because it is a great location. Um, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, um, I think that's, that's probably what they did. But I do think that that's fascinating.
1: Yeah, so it's 399 Boylston Street. Oh. Let me do a street view. What's
0: Tate's address? Um,
1: know.
0: This is profoundly boring for anyone that doesn't live in Boston. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry. So, anyway, so what's interesting? Let's let's make it more broadly interesting. What's interesting is they're notorious for having a very low cost, if not free, new member spe- new member special. Okay. Um, and so putting them right across from Yoga Works, this is really interesting because now there's a larger overlap of people that are interested in in yoga, and I like to believe that the market can bear. Um, and support enough people being interested in yoga that these two businesses can, can, can thrive across the street from each other. But there's also part of me that's like, is that what Core Power was thinking? We're both going to thrive here? Um, no, I think
0: Core Power is always in a stronger position because they have something specific that they're delivering. I don't see YogaWorks as having something specific that they're delivering.
1: Yes, it is above TATE because TATE is three ninety nine. Okay. Sorry. Well, they definitely have um, a more uh, consistent, and consistent doesn't mean good. I'm just saying they have a more consistent product because they, the the class is a scripted sequence, and the training is a scripted training. Yeah. Whereas Yoga Works encourages and allows for at least some diversity of vinyasa, you know? And like Caitlin and Renee are leading a training that allows for a plurality of ideas, you yes. know?
0: Um so But the, the the core power training is more or less a like vocational training. Like you are tr- like the way that you would train to become a flywheel or soul cycle. Like you you go and learn that company's way of doing things and then you So you teach. can teach for them. So yes. you could teach for them. It's it's that kind of training which is very different than than the sort of traditional studio model of of teacher training.
1: Yeah. And I know somebody that did the teacher training and was immediately hired to start leading their teacher trainings. Like immediately. Yes. Because we may they, be talking
0: about the same person. Because I know a, a person that also. Did lovely that. person. Yes.
1: Yeah, so we're probably talking about the same person. Um, so yeah, it's just a different model.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: But I think there's going to be a big overlap when it comes to like new leads. And I think part of what they do, not just in Boston, but elsewhere, is they set up shop nearby other studios, preying on the lead pool. Yeah. Hopes that they they often win the war on amenities. Like you go in and they're oh very...
0: totally 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 they they have always like I remember the first studio that they opened in Chicago and I went in there and was like I took one class and was like this is awful but this is a beautiful space.
1: <laughs> so they come in, yeah, hard on the people that want a good workout and are interested in yoga a little bit, but mostly want a good workout, and um, those are people that often. Um, fill the bellies of other yoga studios. You know, yeah. yoga studios don't necessarily thrive on serious students. No. A portion of them are serious students. Um, but there's always, the, you know, the, the great chunk in the middle that are like, I love yoga and I love the workout and I can get this multiple places.
0: Yeah.
1: Anyway, it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. And um how it does. I think it's gonna do great, and I wonder if it'll affect the surrounding studios. Um I, I
0: think it, it it I I don't know. It will and it won't. Um I I think I almost wonder if I almost wonder if it affects I mean, it's going to affect every studio in terms of, like, the new influx of folks that come into Boston every, you know, September and Mm. January. Like, Mm -hmm. getting the word out to those people that, like, hey, come try some yoga. Like, yes, having a core power downtown is going to have an effect on that. But I would, I would almost think that in terms of already established students, I'm not sure that it's going to affect that, especially yeah, at yeah. places like North End and South Boston. And like the the studios that are still owned locally, I'm not sure that it will affect the local student population all that much. Um, that, that's already, you know, established at those places. Especially because now in Boston, everybody has, like, um, I don't mean this in a negative way, but uh, there's less of a, like, this is my studio, I only come here, is much more of a circulation of folks from studio to studio.
1: So that's why I think what it's actually going to affect is just the new lead pool. Yeah. The new pool of potential yoga students will yeah but i think what'll happen also is there'll be a degree of people that try it and then are like yeah i think i like this yoga let me try the one across the street too
0: yeah
1: i don't know it is interesting to hear the rumblings of like anxiety though
0: oh i'm beginning to
1: beginning to crawl through the web
0: crawl through the web
1: Um, and i do mean the web not the interweb
0: just the web (laughs) <laughs> Just
1: the web. Um, the oh, analog the other thing web. I,
0: um,
1: that's the other thing I want to talk to you about. I had this thought that sometimes, so I really enjoy occasionally subbing classes. I, well, at least right now in my life, I am.
0: <laughs> like okay,
1: and he, and I had a thought that one of the reasons I enjoy it is, and this is so fucked up, but hear me out. Uh, sometimes I feel a a subtle sense of freedom with subbing a class. Like, oh, this would be a really nice class for me to try this thing that I've yet to try elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Whether it be like a linguistic choice or a thing we're doing or not doing choice I find that sometimes subbing is the place to do that and I can hear all the problems with that as I say it out loud (laughs) (laughs) do you ever feel that um
0: no I think what usually happens more the conversation that goes on in my head when I'm subbing is how do I give them the process of giving them something that's familiar like especially if I'm subbing for um someone whose teaching style is um different than mine not that I would ever really sub unless it was like a super last minute for someone whose style was like radically different but you know everybody's different and they all have the their own you know people who come to their classes have expectations of like the things that are usually a a, a part of, of the class. So I find myself more having the negotiation of like, how do I still teach something without overwhelming them with the, uh, uh, newness of the situation, especially because sometimes, uh, the regulars are the folks that don't necessarily check the schedule to make sure that the teacher that they want to take from is still teaching. Does that make sense?
1: Oh yeah.
0: So, um, so it, it often is like, okay, how am I going to, how am I going to take the thing that I'm teaching this week and throw in a fucking sun salutation? <laughs> like that's, that's the, that's the conversation that, that goes through my mind is, is how, how am I going to make this familiar enough that they're willing to come along for, for the ride. Um, and obviously that's different. Like if I'm subbing for Ryan Hale, like there's not actually much of a conversion <laughs> that goes on. I just teach my normal class. But if I'm subbing for someone else, especially over at Charlestown, there's more of a, um, uh, there's, there's more of a editing
1: process. Okay, I think you put your finger on it. Once I think many teachers are thinking, how do I offer something that's in the spirit of the regular teacher's class? And like, how do I sort of honor the, how do I honor their spirit and not completely jar their regulars? You know? Um, So you're already slipping into someone else's skin a little. There's already, there's already a little bit of a dance there in the process of editing. And I think that it's in that empathetic exercise that, parts of my brain get lit up and excited about other things that might be an opportunity to explore, you know, because already I think people are expecting a transmuted sort of offering. I think, you know, students know that, Oh, this teacher is subbing and they're probably subbing in the spirit of whoever's class it is. So that opens up the door for other, I think, creative reflections. Maybe that's it. Okay all right now i understand what's happening and why i'm excited about why i get excited about subbing is i see it as an opportunity to reframe how i'm thinking about other things that maybe i'm doing more um on autopilot sure well
0: i also think there's more of a diversity of um like people in the class too well, there's diversity of people in the class, but I was more thinking, like, specifically at Down Under, there's, you end up, well, you specifically, I don't know if all of the teachers, um, at least from what I've seen, um, end up subbing a fairly wide uh, variety in terms of the name of the class on the schedule, um, so there's probably much, depending on what the name of that class that you're subbing for is, There, there may be more of a more expectation or less expectation from the students in terms of what's supposed to happen in that class.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Anyway, I think it's good. I think it's, important of sub from time to time mm-hmm. a because be fucking nice and help each other out but b yeah. it's also a creative opportunity
0: yeah for sure uh
1: so i'm looking at one of the points that you wrote down and i have no recollection of it maybe it's yours yoga therapy
0: oh yeah um i don't know if you or people listening to the podcast have um uh well it it comes up for a number of reasons so it comes up because um there have been a lot of uh conversations with folks in the studio about what that actually means um and then parallel to that um uh Jay Brown has been doing a really good job uh interrogating a lot of the people who call themselves yoga therapists as to what that actually is and what the reasoning behind calling it yoga therapy actually is. Um and uh so it's just been spinning around in my uh in my brain a lot because um uh because of those conversations. Um, but also because you know, that, that is the reason why I'm going back to school this fall. I'm not going to take a yoga therapy training cause I think a lot of them are bullshit.
1: Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I am
0: going to take a training that gives me a certificate to practice a particular set of skills that I very much associate with yoga therapy. Um, And, um, and, you know, I go back and forth between just throwing the term out completely, just being like, no, this is too, this is too convoluted for folks. Um, and actually being like really clear that this is how I practice Mm -hmm. yoga therapy, um, And trying to get really concise about what that actually, what my experience of that has been in terms of working with a teacher who can and does deliver some pretty significant therapeutic benefits, um, and and how I tend to work with folks one-on-one, even though, most of my work with folks one-on-one isn't, at this point isn't explicitly labeled yoga therapy. I do think of it through that lens when I'm working with someone. Um, um, when I'm working with anybody with whom I'm not just teaching concrete information. Like if someone comes like, I would like to learn this thing, how to do this technique, then I will just teach that technique. I don't necessarily think about that in terms of of yoga therapy, but if just if someone's coming in in general, um, then yeah, I I sort of hold the frame of 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 yoga therapy in the back of my back of my head. Um.
1: I I had a conversation with somebody the other day that identified themselves as a yoga therapist. And I had a visceral response to it.
0: Yeah. I have more of a visceral response to someone calling, to someone identifying themselves as a yoga therapist um, than the term yoga therapy. And I haven't quite been able to parse out why. But the term yoga therapy doesn't give me that, like, gut eye roll, um that the term yoga therapist does, especially if one is self-identifying. But go ahead.
1: Yeah, I just, I I agree with you. I think that therapist and I practice yoga therapy feels different. Yeah. Um, But I, you know, and this person was lovely and I'm sure what they're doing for their clients is beneficial. But in the context of the conversation, it felt to me that what they were actually saying is, I do this really special thing that you're not doing, and other people that don't have this designation are definitely not doing. And I'm like, and my gut is like, yeah, if, if it's yoga, it's inherently got some therapeutic benefits. Let's not, you know what I mean? It was like a way to differentiate.
0: Yeah, that, that's, it, where, that's where I, I start to have issue too.
1: But people are so hungry to to differentiate and to stand out and to validate. And it just doesn't feel like that's what those trainings actually end up doing. No. Yet. They could. Down the road, I really do think they could. But I think think that you're right to go to massage therapy. Because then you will leave with an actual clear designation of... scope of practice on something that intersects in a very meaningful way with being a yoga teacher.
0: Yes. Well, I also think that, you know, um, there's, if we are going to have something called yoga therapy, then the... There, it, that has to assume that both the and, and, and again, I'm still working through this, but I, I I believe that has to presume that the person in the role, for lack of a term, um, lack of a better term, in the role of yoga therapist, has to have a continuing connection and continuing practice of. Yoga, And the person in the role of the student has to have a pre-existing connection to yoga. And that the relationship between those two people um, is a large part of the active ingredient of what is potentially beneficial. Especially if the yoga therapist is, as a rule, not a diagnostic practitioner. Because the thing that that you could provide as someone who might practice yoga therapy is a person to come in and work with what's present in this person's overall sense of wellness or overall suffering... And not have it be about the end the end goal being diagnosis, as it is in every other profession that's been medicalized um or or inserted into the insurance structure um, and it's not that it's just the relationship; there has to be a set of skills um that is helpful but i'm also not really sure that the that if i'm not really sure that if if you kate met with someone who was having lower back pain and you were able to help them with their lower back pain in a holistic way meaning also considering the fact that their lower back pain may have something to do with their emotional experience may have something to do with something going on uh psychologically may have something to you know may have something uh to do with something going on even spiritually like if you're able to hold the full context of this human who has low back pain and the end result is they receive some benefit i'm not sure that wasn't you just practicing yoga therapy of course yes i i it, it is like this, but don't you dare call yourself. You know? But don't you dare exactly. And and if the designation is just that, if we're going to uh, if we're going to come to a understanding that the culturally that a yoga therapist needs to be able to communicate with the healthcare system, then that's great. We should maybe we should maybe strive for that to some some regard. But that but But then that should just be a separate training of its own like that that we don't want to insert that in a way that gets in the way of yoga therapy because then we start i feel like people you know you give people a little bit of that medical language, and then all of a sudden they they start
1: getting weird, getting, getting weird, They um, get weird
0: and and you know everybody I know that's ever come that I've met that's ever come out of a yoga therapy. Program, um, they tend to be on either, you know, depending on the program, have a bias towards looking for something wrong. Like, I remember being in a bodywork seminar and someone was working on my leg, and they actually said to me, Oh, there's something wrong with your ankle. You don't have the requisite degrees of dorsiflexion or flexion, rather um, that an ankle is supposed to have and I just was like why would you ever what? say that to somebody <laughs> and then the teacher came over who was running the bodywork session and adjusted my ankle and then was like no 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 that's just Ryan's ankle like <laughs> That's just how Ryan's ankle works. There's no, like, no. (laughs) Um, So there's that side. And then there's the other side, which, you know, can be way more oriented around uh, a psychological or psychosomatic approach um, or uh, way more oriented around um, Ayurveda. Um, because all of these things, yes, absolutely are valuable within the context of yoga yoga therapy. Um, but I think it actually needs to model itself less on a physical therapy model, which I think is what a lot of people are trying to do, and like really just focus on actually understanding what the potential benefit of a one on one you know, therapeutic relationship actually could do in the context of yoga, and that's the that's the thing to me that that will prevent it from ever being part of the medical establishment is because it's a yoga therapy. The only thing that everybody can agree on all, across all schools of yoga, across all scholarly writings on yoga, across all sort of textual mentions of yoga, is that we're dealing with some sense of essence, bodhicitta, uh, purusha, um, uh, uh, soul, whatever you want to call it, we're dealing with some fundamental sense of essence, and if you remove that, then you're just talking about a psychotherapy, or a physical therapy or, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. a, um, uh, or spiritual counseling or, well, no, that doesn't really make much sense. But, but you, if you remove that, you really are just dealing, you're, you're having someone be a physical therapist.
1: Yeah. Or, or and, you're and, having... But with like a watered down, Yes, <laughs> you know, a yes. the physical therapist have at least had some time to like, Figure out what their protocols are exactly. You know, and and I, I, sorry, but I deep I have some distrust for the continuity between you know yoga quote unquote therapy
0: schools. Yes, I well I also have distrust between the continuity of of physical therapy schools to be perfectly honest, and psychotherapy schools to be perfectly honest. Um, oh, that's, fair. that's um, fair. But I just I, I think it's um, I think it's something that anybody who is involved myself included, in teaching yoga in a way that highlights and emphasizes its uh, therapeutic benefits, by which I mean the ability to restore a sense of wellness. Um, uh, we have to be constantly grappling with these questions, because what, if what we are doing is meant to be holistic, and I really, and I really do think that it is that the moment we try and couch it in one, try to pull it towards psychotherapy, or try to pull it towards physical therapy, or try to pull it towards the medical establishment, um, I think I think we're doing a disservice to what's actually possible. And we have to acknowledge that we don't know what's. I mean, this this field has not actually really been around for that long. This idea that that this this could be a benefit to folks. Um, uh, I really, just I mean, some people would argue against me, but I, I, yes. No, I'm we're a, still in the
1: wild west. We're, we're
0: still in the wild west. Let's just be perfectly clear about that. So, I just I just think that the best we can do right now is to have everybody be really clear about. What exactly it is they're doing so that at some point we could have some you know consensus on what the what the term actually means or whether we're just going to throw out the term altogether
1: um, yeah or allow it and loosen up about it exactly exactly
0: <laughs> and just let every just let the let practitioners who um,
1: caveat emptor
0: let the buyer yeah. be fucking wear. Exactly. exactly, and um, yeah, I, I just think it's, a, it's an interesting question um, I think there are a lot of people on their high fucking horse about it um, and, uh, I, I, and I don't know this for a fact but I would wonder how much those people who are on their high fucking horse about it are actually working with folks individually, therapeutically like, mm. how much of their time is actually spent doing that? Um, and I wouldn't want to go take a yoga therapy training with them. I am learning yoga therapy from someone who's literally just in his office every day working with folks. So, that's, that's who I would want to learn from. Um,
1: caveat um, emptor.
0: Um, anyways, that's my rant for the day. Um, this is a good one this has been unrolled
1: yes it has uh follow us like us send us questions above all send us questions and if you um want to keep hearing us do this from time to time and want to help us keep the lights on uh we have a patreon any little bit is genuinely appreciated um what's our what's our email for those of you that (laughs) want to tell us we're wrong and we love that so please feel free to in the nicest way because we're real people uh, Unrolled
0: podcast at gmail com. Brilliant. Um,
1: and a quick plug: if you made it this far,
0: uh, the second episode of uh, my other podcast, Just Yoga, is out, uh, and it's an interview with Trina Altman, um, who many of you um, may have heard of as a yoga teacher, Pilates teacher out in California. So you can go check out that on all go of your listen. favorite podcasting apps. So, yeah. Bye. Bye.